The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to the Exchange Podcast. I'm Rob Cox, editor of Reuters Breaking Views. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Joe Stiglitz. Joe's had an amazing career. He won the Nobel Prize about 15 years ago. He was the chief economist at the World Bank. And if that's not enough, he chaired the Council of Economic Advisors for President Bill Clinton in the 1990s. Joe has also become sort of like the foremost expert on these shores when it comes to income inequality. And that's really the topic I wanted to chat with him about off the back of his new book. It's called Rewriting the Rules of the American Economy, an Agenda for Growth and Shared Prosperity. The premise of the book was sort of the most interesting part of the conversation. The basic question was, what rules do we actually need to reconsider? Anyway, give it a listen. Here's my chat with Joe Stiglitz. Why do we need to rewrite the rules of the American economy? We are constantly rewriting the rules in response to changing economy. But something else happened about a third of a century ago. There, there was a rewriting of the rules of the American economy that governed us from World War II until around the 1980s, and we rewrote it with a couple ideas in mind. It was sort of the supply-side economics of the day that if you lowered taxes at the top, you took away regulations, you would incentivize the system, you would free up the system. The result was, yes, there would be more inequality, but the economic pie would be so much bigger that everybody would get a bigger piece. And, that's, and that is not the case. And that's, that's, right. that's the reason. And, and a third of a century later, yeah. we have the evidence. This is not a little blip. You know, as things were going along, we often doubled down on that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, they said, well, it's not working. See, we have to have another dose of the same medicine. Didn't work. And each dose just creates more disparity between inequality and and opportunity. Exactly. So we're at the point now where the United States has achieved the dubious distinction of being the advanced country with the highest level of inequality and one of the lowest levels of equality of opportunity. So Americans have finally figured it out. They felt it. They know it. And you see across the political spectrum a kind of you might say almost anger, a thirst for let's try something else. This is clearly not working. An economy which doesn't work for the bottom 90% is an economy that isn't working. Well, yeah, and it's it's headed for an existential crisis if that's the case. So so what are the rules, let's say, you know, a third of a century ago that were rewritten that what, what were the mistakes that were made? It was actually subtly a very comprehensive agenda. So one were the rules affecting the financial sector. Let me make clear, this was bipartisan, so I don't want to... Sure, th- sure. This was... Uh, and, and that, you know... Uh, and Democratic presidents or, or Congresses could have changed any of, at any time some of these... It was more difficult because there were right. a lot of political pressures, but it was, it was the... Generally bipartisan. It was generally right. bipartisan. So, we, you know, under Reagan, we began the deregulation of the financial markets. Then under Clinton, there was the repeal of the Glass-Steagall, the... Uh, uh, Graham-Leach, Bliley, and banking, things like that. Exactly. No derivative regulation written in, uh, overruling the regulatory agencies which said we need regulation. Mm -hmm. So that was one important ingredient. 
A second one were a whole set of reform, uh, reforms, uh, in quotation marks, which led to more short-sighted firms. You know, they're looking at the next quarterly return. Uh, um, and that led to CEO pay going from, say, 30 to 1 relative to the typical worker to 300 to 1. So a whole set of reform in the way our corporations work. And then a third set of re changes were in the way our labor market worked. Uh, so the bargaining power of workers was reduced both by changes in the rules governing unionization, globalization, which opened them up to competition from two billion people in the developing countries, trade agreements, that exacerbated the problems. NAFTA. NAFTA. now TPP. Exactly. Measures, I know you're not a big fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So there were a whole set of these changes that had profound effects on the way every one of our markets work, our labor market, our capital market, financial market, mm -hmm. product markets. Um, some of these, there were changes in technology as well. I mean, you know, so that you, you had uh, the growth of, say, market power in the cable industry, in the, in the uh, telecom, uh, much higher concentration than in many other countries. Mm -hmm. uh, we thought, after we broke up AT&T, that we would have a competitive uh, <laughs> telecom sector. It didn't work out anywhere near what. You had a bonanza for M&A fees over it, the next 20 years. So. Exactly. So we split them up and we put, put them together. Yeah. And now everybody recognizes that Americans pay higher fees for lower quality service than you get in a country like India. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. So, okay, so then let's turn to the, the new rules, as it were. How would you rewrite them? What, I mean, let's go through some of the prescriptions you have in your book. So it goes, you know, systematically through each of the areas where we've we've had a problem. So uh, take uh, the short-sightedness mm. of uh, corporations. We all recognize that if you're, the firm is looking to the next quarterly return or or the next nanosecond, right. that you're not going to make the long-term investments in R and D and people and infrastructure, you know, in in in, sure. in, in, in equipment that you would need for long-term success. So what is the reason for this? Well, there are several. One of them is the CEO is paid on the basis of stock market performance. Stock markets, we know, are very short-sighted. They react, you know, if I can get my costs down now, my profits go up, no matter what's going to happen to loyalty to the firm, to, to when I have to rehire the workers, when the economy goes back up, I'll have to pay higher training costs, well, that's all put aside. It's what's happening And it's not just the now. CEO's incentives, it's also the investment manager's incentives around that as well. Exactly. Because they're the ones who are judged every year, and if they're turfed out, they, you know, they're the ones pushing companies to act that way as well. And, and that's one of the legal changes, uh, legal rules that make, uh, are, are so problematic, and that is that they have a responsibility for maximizing shareholder return and that's been interpreted to mean return in the short run. Yeah, stock the, price return. Stock price return. And they're looking at what's happening right away. Yeah, yeah. And it's even worse than that. Because of that regulation, unions are not in their investment portfolio, you know, pension funds, can't do anything about 
firms that are treating workers badly. Right. They can't say, you know, as the owner of a firm, I think it's wrong for you to follow these short-sighted policies. They have to respond to the short-sightedness of the market. So, we've so really they can meet their pension liabilities. It's very fascinating. It, so they've built into the system this kind of short-sightedness. So there are other things. Now, so, so would you get rid of quarterly earnings? Just one thought. Just if you could start over. It, that's going to be year. very hard to get rid of quarterly earnings, but where, where we're really focusing on, some of the ideas mm -hmm. that we have here is, first, let's not let the CEO get stock options based on whether the interest rate goes down and the stock price goes up. He gets rewarded right. as if he had done this, something. Right. An airline, gasoline, you know, oil prices go down, sure. stock price goes up, he gets rewarded. So adjusted for rates and commodity prices, things like that, that should be a, there should be a hurdle weight or something. There should be a no-brainer that yeah. at least you should be comparing yourself with other people in your industry. So that you can take up, what we say as an economist, we take out the effects of the systemic effects that are not a result of your own right. Right. Uh, uh, efforts. Um, we should also have, if you give stock options, let's make sure he has to hold it for 15 years. That makes him think about not where the stock price is today, but where the stock price will be yeah. 15 years from now. So that's another example. Another little change in a rule that I think will make some difference is uh, we had a big battle when I was in the White House about disclosure. A lot of people some seem to think that stock options come like mana from heaven. You know, you give the CEO something, it doesn't cost anything. Right. anything. We know that's not true. It's yeah. about dilution of the ownership claims of others. Sure. So we said, some of us at the Council Economic Advisors said, let's have a rule that you disclose to the shareholders the value of what you are giving to the CEO and the management mm -hmm. team. Mm -hmm. They resisted that. Interesting. Uh, e the people... Yeah, this is back in the... Yeah. 15 years ago. This so. is 15 years ago. I remember this. People yeah. in the Clinton administration who had fought for a special tax provision that encouraged stock option right. were the same people who fought against disclosure. So that gives you a little bit of feeling here. This was not quite so innocuous. Mm -hmm. This was really an attempt to rewrite the rules to make it easier to for the guys. Fill your boots at the expense of shareholders. And, and had them not know it. Right. Another example of rewriting the rule in Australia, they have a very strong rule about rules about this part of corporate governance mm -hmm. that shareholders should have a say in the pay of the people who work for them. I mean, somebody worked for you, you should have a say in pay. Sure. Well, we do have a say in pay. You have a non, we have a non-binding one. Non-binding one. First, when they that was an example of a change of rules in the right way, mm -hmm. but. They re, the CEOs resisted that very strongly, but why make it non-binding? You know, well, you know, you work for me. I say I ought to have the right to say what your pay is. And I mean, to be fair, if you get a fifty more than fifty percent of a company's shareholders vote against the CEO pay, we have seen most instances the board says, "All right, we got a problem." Your Citigroup <laughs> exactly. is a great example. So it's not. The, but you also have a problem that. 
a lot of the shareholders don't even vote. That's right. So we have to create a culture. That's another agenda yeah. of saying, you know, you owning a share has some responsibility. You, you have to have oversight of what yeah. the management does. But I just want to give you a little bit of an illustration that there are concrete rules that changed over the, the last 25 years that have changed the balance in our economy. And now we need to rewrite those rules to restore a different kind yeah. of a balance. The good news, of course, Joe, is that all the candidates pretty much out there, Democrats and Republicans, are talking about income inequality or inequality of, inequality of opportunity. They're all talking about it. That's they right. all have very different views on, on, or, or prescriptions for it. Um, who do you think, wait, wait, let's look at the Democratic side, do you, do, are you hearing some of the right noises and some of the right remedies? The, both of the major Democratic candidates are right on. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they have slightly differing solutions. Wait, to the, uh, both, not Martin O'Malley? O'Malley <laughs> probably does too, as well. But, no, but, I know, but, so Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton. They both, you know, they have, they're, they're working very hard to differentiate themselves from mm -hmm. each other, yeah, I understand that. The basic, the bottom line is they're both concerned with the issues. They're both putting up interesting ideas of how to address it. You know, uh, Hillary has really emphasized a lot the short-termism. Yes. And, uh, and Bernie Sanders has talked about a financial transaction tax, for instance. That's right. That's in your book. That's in her book is, is one of the instruments that would, uh, you know, say, there's no sense in this nano trading going back and forth, and a financial transaction tax would say, if you're gonna go back and forth, you go pay taxes every time you go back and forth. Uh, one of the other things, just as an aside here, and, and a reflection of market power, uh, the debit and credit cards charge merchants a very high fee on every transaction. Dodd-Frank, there was a provision to lower the debit card fee, nothing about the credit card fee. Right. It, the staff came out with a rec federal, they delegated the Federal Reserve, the staff came out with a recommendation. I thought their recommendation was probably twice the fee that it should have been, mm -hmm. but the Federal Re Reserve said they could charge an even higher fee. Huh. So the fee that we have now is twice the fee that the Federal Reserve, that the staff recommended, which is twice the fee that I think would have been the right fee. I suppose the good news is there's so much, there's a lot of creeping competition into that business. It's going to take a long time, and they've been really, stops. really fighting Springsteen competition from the telephone companies to come into the industry. The, the right. more straightforward way is to do like Australia, change some of the restrictions that have made this a very non-competitive market. Mm -hmm. But the reason I mentioned that, you raised the yeah. issue of financial transaction tax, a really small rate, but the financial sector has been imposing a tax on every transaction that you and I engage in at a very high rate. So they've rate. created a, 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 pre a precedent for this. That's so right, except it's a different, the, the revenue the, yeah. goes to their pockets, the coffers of the banks, rather than the right. well, uh, well-being of our yeah, society. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, the Republicans, even the Republicans are, are talking quite a bit about, about income inequality. I mean, I was looking at George, Jeb Bush's plan. You know, he's, he wants to get rid of, for instance, the, 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 the carried interest uh, exemption for private equity mainly, venture capital, hedge funds. What's your view on that? Uh, totally. 
You and Outrageous. Jeb Bush are of the same mind. I, I, on this, uh, actually, I think every yeah. regional Even candidate, Trump, Trump has ta talked about it. You know, why should a speculator be taxed at a lower rate than a plumber or, you know, somebody who's working for a living? And I testified in Congress uh, about a year ago, and that was a question somebody asked me, mm -hmm. uh, a Republican asked me, and it was a, almost a rhetorical question because no one, in the panel, and the panel was, uh, you know, for anybody, uh, three people, one a Republican, one a Democrat, and somebody in and the you middle. All no, nobody could give an answer to it. Right, <laughs> right. So this is something that is, you know, it's worse than unjustified. It not only creates inequality, you know, giving, taxing mm -hmm. the richest Americans at a rate that is half the rate of other people, but it distorts our economy. You know, I, I feel it very strongly because. So many of our best students at Columbia and, and other good schools are going into financial markets. Still. Still. Even after still. Even after, you know, it diminished from what it was, but it was numbers like 40%. Right. And, you know, if we want to have a well-functioning economy, again, we need balance. I mean, right. the financial sector is important, but is it more important than doing research on cancer or on trying to get our real it's sector to work better? It's a general philosophical better? difference about how you tax labor versus taxing capital, which I know you're involved quite a bit in. You're, you're working even with Jeremy Corbyn, the, the, the labor uh, leader in the UK, and with Thomas Piketty, who's of course written this, the, you know, the, the great tome on this. Um, so this is not just a US problem or, or issue. No, and, and one of the reasons I agreed to, to work with Corbyn is I think this issue of rewriting the rules is an issue on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah. You know, what started in the period of the early 80s, or sometimes related to Reagan, was going on, on the other side of the Atlantic, mm -hmm. Thatcher. Right, right, of course. And so, uh, and some of what happened in the United States in the period of financial deregulation occurred in, 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 in Britain under Blair. Mm -hmm. So. There's been a, a, a kind of parallel right. development, and their institutions are somewhat different. So it's, it's not the same agenda. I'd write a slightly different book, mm -hmm. but the idea that you need to rewrite the rules that uh, what the inequality that we have is not just a matter of redistribution. It's right. the it's distribution. Not just taxing more. And it's not just taxing more. It's the underlying rules of the game that have led to America having one of the highest levels of inequality in market income. Mm -hmm. And Britain, because it's been following the American lead, is not that far behind. Okay. Well, thank you, Joe. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. So there you have it. Joe Stiglitz believes both Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders are right on when it comes to the issue of income inequality. She also gets high marks for tackling short-termism. Maybe there's no surprise here. Uh, many people think Joe's book is sort of a blueprint for Hillary's economic plan. But with a little bit of prodding, Joe also said that Republicans are sometimes at least right on the issue of income inequality. Jeb Bush and Donald Trump both want to get rid of carried interest, for instance. On the next exchange, we're going to go back in time to September of 2014 when I interviewed Paul Ryan, then merely a congressman. Let's see how his views 
from back then in any case, have manifested themselves in his new role as the Republican Speaker of the House of Representatives. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, and thanks for listening.